Let us pray. Our loving and patient God, we come to you this holy evening, this Ash Wednesday, to stand at the beginning of a new season. A season, Lord, when we need to look at ourselves a little bit more honestly, more thoroughly, and come to to you with earnest desire to be more fully yours, to live into our baptismal promises, to claim the forgiveness and grace that is ours and share it freely and abundantly with others. Help us, Lord, to hear the cries of those who are being treated unfairly with injustice, with hatred, and ask, Lord, that we work toward making things equal and fair for all people. We pray, Lord, tonight that we might be used in whatever way you see possible to make a difference in love and grace and discipleship in this torn world of yours and ours. In your name we ask. Amen. Facebook, as many of you know, can be the bearer of much light and trivial banter between friends and acquaintances. But a few months ago, I saw a posting there that took my breath away. His familiar face stopped me in my tracks. All the pressing errands that I had on my list that day somehow seemed very unimportant, fading quickly. And the brief text that announced David's mysterious death in Berlin, in his apartment, was in bold view before my eyes. His computer had been left on, it said. There was no foul play, no illness, and more to follow. David, you see, was 40 years old, and had once been the star active teen in my youth group and youth ministry long ago at Trinity in Lansdale. He was involved in the dramas that we would do, in ASP, in the car washes, in the Philadelphia Boys Choir. He was my sidekick and even attended a Minnesota college, St. Olaf. And his future was cut way too short. Remember that you are dust, and to dust you shall return. His parents called me not long after that, asking me to preach for the evening memorial service. I hadn't seen them in over 20 years. I anxiously said, yes, of course. After the crowded 6.30 p.m. service, the family walked out to the side of the chancel where the memorial garden was. We carried candlelight into the deep darkness, walking to the columbarium there to place his ashes. As his heartbroken father slid his eldest son's ashes into the burial niche, I glanced up with tears in my eyes. 
there shone the huge white steeple and cross on top of that, glowing in floodlights brilliantly against the black sky. Like a transfiguration, like a promise written in the sky, a new home beyond death awaited young David. And it was a needed reminder of another holy moment when David's future life was guaranteed at the font of baptism. And the pastor then said, Child of God, you have been sealed by the Holy Spirit and marked with the cross of Christ forever. These words spoken to each of us at our baptism unite us also with the vibrant power of Easter and Christ's resurrection. When God claimed us that day, which most of us never even remember, it changed the course of our lives. At least it was meant to. Our baptism was not something to have done and then go back to our usual routines. But it is meant to be the core of our identity as Christians. When we became part of God's family, we also were commissioned to be set apart, to let our light so shine before others that they would see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven. The season of Lent is a season for deepening our connection to God, embracing our baptism and also the public witness of our life to the world that we we truly march to a different drummer, a different drummer than most of our culture. We covenanted with God in baptism to proclaim the good news of Christ through word and deed to serve all people, to follow Jesus' example, to strive for justice and peace in all the earth. This line could be a Lenten practice this season that we promise to memorize this line and recommit daily to it during these 40 days. I'll say it again. We covenanted with God in baptism to proclaim the good news of Christ through word and deed, to serve all people, to follow Jesus' example, to strive for justice and peace in all the earth. Now, we've just witnessed as a nation another sort of uh, holy event for many, a billion-dollar industry, the Super Bowl. There are the stadium seats that some might be able to afford to buy for thousands of dollars, the TV ads that go for millions, travel and food as well, or if you stayed home, the parties and all the trays you had to get and the liquor to jolly it up a bit. The New York Post had an article yesterday about the athletes It was called The Lost Virtue of Humility, subtitled, Our Cultural Ego is Out of Control. The impetus for the article was the losing quarterback, Cam Newton's, attitude. The columnist says, Cam Newton is the greatest. Just ask him. Other quarterbacks have won the Super Bowl, like Russell Williams and Peyton Manning, etc., but no one calls him a show-off, Russell Williams, 
No one calls him a show-off because he doesn't claim to be one. He doesn't humiliate the other people on the team. He thanks God instead. He refuses to be a diva. And the columnist Kyle Smith in this article says, football is very much a team sport, so no one person should act like he made a play on his own, but so is life. An increasingly secular society casts a suspicious eye on any quality regarded as having religious significance and basis. But there is a reason, says the columnist, that liturgy resonates down through the ages. Wednesday morning, this morning, thousands of Catholics will file through the doors of St. Patrick's Cathedral for the privilege of being told, Remember, O man, that thou art dust, and to dust thou shalt return. Whether you worship the Christian God or the Superman Newton, you know that's true. I may be weird, but I love Lent. Always, I always have, since I was a young teenager, giving up something that I craved very much, like candy, cookies, cakes, donuts, and all the smacks of any sweets, has been a 50-year tradition now, and maybe even more, although I know it doesn't look possible that I could be that old. It's not earth-shattering, actually, but it reminds me that a sacrifice and a personal discipline are required to follow our Lord. It can't be business as usual in this holy season. For this reason, we must crescendo in the dawning of understanding the coming of eternity and Easter's resurrection life that is within our grasp. How will we mark our faith journey, our our witness in the wilderness, in the arms of our God? You might prefer many spiritual disciplines other than my particular choice, like adding devotional reading, perhaps, to your daily activity, or more worship. Or Wednesday night, coming to our Faith in Daily Life seminars that will be wonderful here with our members sharing. Or online blogs that are written on justice issues and uh, poverty and understanding other world religions. Or you might have family Bible readings at the dinner table. You can have many, many choices. But I invite you to choose something to add on as well as give up in land. Just having ashes, for instance, put on our foreheads this evening, powerful as it is, and then doing nothing else to increase our devotional walk with Christ till Easter falls short of this season's call for our intentional spiritual growth and thanksgiving for Jesus' devastating death and suffering for our sin. Our blindness and our disbelief constantly. We are busy in a society of ours. We are so busy, busy, busy. And relationships require time and intimacy. And God deserves no less than a holy time of our undisturbed focus 
a holy time of our undisturbed focus daily if we are truly to be born again to a new life in Christ. Walter Bruggeman, an Old Testament professor, says, The gospel is too readily heard and taken for granted as though it contained no unsettling news and no unwelcome threat. What began as news in the gospel is easily assumed, slotted, and conveniently dismissed. So welcome, everyone, to the discipline and the wonder of Lent. Let's prove Bruggeman wrong. This is a journey to the heart of our God, of grace for everyone, of a God who formed us all to be his children in the Garden of Eden. But Adam wasn't satisfied and squandered God's love so that he could be his own boss. Then God came again in Jesus to bear all of our sins, and we crucified him. But he rose again to a new life so magnificent we can't even grasp it. Death has lost its sting because God in Christ has shown us the way home where we've always, always belonged. A Vietnamese theologian and poet named Phuc Lu has written a marvelous poem called Remember You Are Dust. It is much, much longer, but I read you the final lines. And I slowly realize my existence, my being, my very breath is held together by hands and heart greater than what I can understand or imagine or hope for. Like King David, I wait for the deliverance the longing for heaven. Like Adam, I wait for another chance to take a stroll with God through the garden and the breaking of dawn in a new day. Amen.